Welcome back to the show, everyone. I'm your host, Aaron Lowe. And if this is your first episode and you're wondering what this whole thing is all about, well, I'll tell you. Every week, I find my head surgically attached to the body of a different friend and cinephile. Together, we are given a note containing a theme, sometimes specific and sometimes vague. Our job is then to pick a pair of movies that fit that theme and then watch and discuss. This is The Incredible Two-Headed Podcast. So, uh, do you have any guesses as to what I was doing before we started this? Any guesses what you were doing? Well, usually it involves making lunch for somebody. Yeah, exactly. I was prepping food. <laughs> I uh, uh, Amber works nights, and um, they have this nifty lunchbox. We actually both have them now since I'm I'm working as well. That right. You set a timer, and like two hours before your lunch, it will start cooking it. Uh, what? yeah, it just heats it up. So you, you, I mean, not cook, cook, you have to put cooked food in there, but if you take it out of the free fridge or a freezer and put it in there for your day at work, two hours before your lunch, it'll start heating it up so that when you, when you go on lunch, whatever time you schedule it, you go back there and your food's warm. How have I not heard of one of these things? Yeah, they're pretty, they're pretty cool. They're pretty cool. They come with like five, uh, you can buy more, but five dishes that you can use so you, we wow like we basically all prep food like today i just prepped feel, three meals and uh we stick them in the freezer and like the night before work just take them out and put them in the fridge so they're not completely frozen they're just cold i can i can wow. send you the information i can't remember the brand name at all oh, I, I don't need one so yeah but well you, you seemed really excited about it is all <laughs> i think it, I, I i like new technology i mean i figured the next step is a lunch box that eats the food for you so yeah. Well, mine hasn't shown up yet. Amber ordered me one. Um, and because I'm not entirely sure every day, I think my lunches are like at 11, but it can change every day. Um, she got, or sorry, uh, they got me one with a uh, uh, Bluetooth capability. So I can like just on my phone, click on the app and it'll like when I want it to start heating up. So that, yeah. that's that. Yeah, that's just really cool. I mean, that's 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 fantastic. And I'm I'm so happy that you're uh, doing well with the with the new gig and all that stuff. So yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's only been a week, um, but I really lucked out. Like on my first gig, I, I haven't mentioned it on the show, but I, I if anybody cares, um, I, I joined uh, the plasterers union. So I'm I'm technically a contractor. I'm working on construction sites. I've only had the one gig so far this this week. Um, I'm working with the same company next week. And then after that, like, I mean, it's going to be a new job every week or a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, and I lucked out because the people that I'm working for are really cool. Uh, they have a kind of a core group that seem pretty nice. Uh, you know, <laughs> I don't speak, I don't speak any Spanish. I'm still, I'm learning, but, uh, I don't speak any Spanish. So there's a, it's not like I'm really an active part of the group, but you know, they, they seem like nice folk. Cool. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's, that's, it, the, that's it, the way it is where we are. It's there's a, you know, a lot of people that speak Spanish. And oh, yeah. No, I'm not. Yeah. There, there was no, 
like negativity in that statement. It's just like I've been here for seven years. I, I didn't think there was. I know you, and I know I know how you are. And yeah, no, no, I I, I figured you'd embrace the uh, the situation. So yeah, uh, I've been meaning to learn Spanish. I got Duolingo, and I just now is it's giving me like a reason. Like no, I I should so I can talk to people in a construction site. That's important. <laughs> um, yeah, I, mean, no. I, took, I took high school Spanish, and I don't remember any of it. So. <laughs> Yeah, I, I remember a smattering of Japanese that I took in high school enough that I can kind of like if I'm watching something with subtitles, I, I mean, I won't understand it if I'm not looking at the subtitles, but I will catch a word here and there and and like uh, kind of realize a little bit more the context than what the Americanization version is, like what the actual right. word they're using is. And that that's kind of fun. I. I don't know why I never kept up with languages, especially like Japanese. I, I really like. Yeah, I, I was into I was into trying to learn Japanese for a good while. And I never really got very far, even though I had a really good friend who was Japanese. And, you know, it's, and it would have helped. It would have helped if I spoke, you know, spoke his language. And, you know, I think but it, it, oh, go ahead. It's, it's it's very difficult. And, it's, you know, I mean, when you're when you're old, I mean, if you were a kid, you absorb it quicker and, and easier. And, you know, it's when you're an adult, you got you just don't. Unless you really knuckle down and, and concentrate, it's it's really hard to learn a language. Well, it's also one of the more difficult ones for English speakers to learn. I think Chinese, yeah. like Mandarin, is probably a lot harder. Um, but there, because that one, like, depends so much on tone. Like uh, English mm -hmm. does too, but um, but Japanese, it, it just doesn't. You know, you can pick up. A little bit of French or a little bit of Spanish here and there because it's you know based on the same root and you can kind of figure out right a few words here and there but Japanese it's just like it's so different that uh and the sentence structures are so different and um, very much it, it's kind of like I remember really being uh overwhelmed when we got to some of the more complicated manners of counting that there's like a different style of counting one through ten for large objects small objects circular yes. objects. like it's not just one through one through ten it's it's a, a -E -E sanchi yeah you know it's like yeah it's very different yeah but um anyway i i guess i should i should backtrack just a little bit sure to tell people that you are listening to the incredible two-headed podcast and the voice Do we need to tell that <laughs> the voice you've been hearing is my old pal Rick. He's been on the show plenty of times. I, I don't need to. Tell hey, you. watch with the old pal stuff there, buddy. Okay, okay. Uh, I, my age is just a number, pal Rick. Um, <laughs> and uh, th this episode is is a little bit different. We've done something like this in the past, but we're just going to chat for a little while. Uh, you probably have noticed in the feed that the. Um, I don't, I don't want to get too negative. I don't want to pull the curtain back too far, but this summer of darkness thing has not really been working out. Uh, it's been really hard, like scheduling guests uh, in, when I now have a job and that job makes me very tired at night and I'm not able to really watch movies as much as I used to. Um, and, and, you know, everybody else has a life and the world is reopening. So people are going back to work. People are going well, they'll be going back to school if they go to school soon. Uh, so scheduling has just been an issue. And I've got some stuff planned. I, I, I am probably going to be recording with somebody tomorrow. But I wanted to do something really quick to get an episode out. Because I don't want to... I feel bad going too far without a, without something out there. Without saying anything. But So we're just going to kind of like 
have a free flowing conversation about whatever comes up or whatever we've been doing lately. Um, We're free balling. Uh, yeah. Well, I am. I so. don't know about you. It is pretty warm. <laughs> you know, it's a warm day, but I always am. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so yeah, commando I've been working. Is the way. What's that? It's a commando is the way. What are you talking about? Hmm. Too well, hot to wear anything. Moving on. So I've been working. <laughs> I've been working um, construction. I will say. I only worked four days this week, and it was double what I made at my last job for working two weeks. It's not always going to be like that. It might my, my I got well over my minimum weight or my minimum well over my minimum weight. God damn! <laughs> this is probably all staying in because the reason I'm doing this with you and we're going so like free form is I don't want to do any editing. I want to just kind of like I'm going to put music in. And I'm going to put it out. That's going to be it. So right. we're going to hear how much I have to reset because my tongue gets tied. Uh, <laughs> you, but I, you earned way more than your base pay. Yeah, my base pay. I, I earned much more than that. So it's not always going to be the same. But, you know, my base pay is still pretty, pretty good and comes with a lot of benefits that I've never had in any other job. Like, it's kind of amazing. I mean, it's a union, right? Like union strong. Right. I. I, I'm lucky to be getting into a union. Yeah, I didn't. I, I I'd never been in a union until I joined Disney, and uh, you know, it's you know, I was I'm totally fine with it. I mean, I, I believe in unions, so you'll never find me. You'll never see me complaining about them. I've been, you know, the couple of jobs I had earlier in my life, you know, there was always union talk, and then the people who ran the place would always kind of squash it, you know, and probably illegally, but. Um, but yeah, it yeah, was just, yeah. Amber, uh, Amber has that too at, at their work, uh, where where they get notices frequently, like video uh, video seminars or newsletters, just talking about how like yeah, say no to a union. You don't want the union to have to say what like tell you what to do. Work for yourself, and it's just uh, it, it's a it's a nightmare. But um, yeah, I. I am very pro union and this is like a strong union that the stuff that I am like the members of this union get for their work is a lot more than just the, the, the paycheck, like the, the paycheck I'm getting is kind of small in comparison to all the other benefits that come with this. So, sure. uh, it's just, it's a lot of damn work. And as I, I said recently on uh, talking to Carlos about this, uh, I am a man of leisure and the, the amount of work involved like really did freak me out at first. Yeah. Hmm. But hey, we're here. Let's talk entertainment, movies. We, we don't need to stick to movies this time. We can talk whatever has been going on with us. But usually invariably it comes back to movies. Because yeah, it does. But we, we have, we have, we've had long conversations about books. <laughs> I, I mean, and music. I did just buy a copy of Nightmare Alley the other day. So not just the movie, but I bought the book. Oh, nice. I never, nice. Read, never read the novel. So I bought, I actually bought that a couple of weeks before I bought the Criterion disc. Cause you know, I, I knew Del Toro was coming out with his new version and it's going to be closer to the book than to the, you know, the 1947 movie. So I decided to, well, you know, I should probably finally read that book. Cause I, I love, I love the, the original movie. 
uh, the Tyrone Power one. And uh, I, I, I really, uh, but it's just such an intriguing concept. And if there's a book that Del Toro is going to actually adapt straight from the book, then I'm like, I got, I got to read this thing. So, um, so yeah, I have that sitting next to me here. I'm actually going to start cracking it here in the next day or two. Oh, nice. But, I, I should pick that up too. I, um, I love that movie as well. It's, it, it's, it's a really great, uh, well, I don't know what I was going to, where I'm going with that, but it, it's such a dark movie. It's um, so dark. <laughs> it is the darkest of the dark that, that I always feel it, it is kind of just emblematic of the time it was made in, but I feel the movie pulls its punches like right at the end in a way that I'm not, I'm not completely satisfied with, but I don't know. I don't know if I wanted the movie to get darker or what. But it gets as close to a happy ending as it possibly can, given you know, given what happens to the main character. But it's still a pretty much downer of an ending. I mean, it's still really sad. Yeah, yeah, but uh, anyway, I don't but, know. But it's as happy as they can get it. Yeah. Um. But I, yeah, I need to, I might, I might check out that book because I'm really excited for the Del Toro remake. Um, uh, speaking of movies and books, I, I am maybe about a quarter of the way through uh, Quentin Tarantino's novelization for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Have you picked that up yet? Yeah, I mean, I'm like a quarter of the way into it. Yeah, that, that, that same here. Uh, yeah. It took me a little while to get used to, like a chapter or two, to get used to his writing style. Because the the way that the sentence, the way that the sentences are structured, and some of the word choices, and his whole style really felt. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it kind of felt like, like high school level in a way. I'm trying. I mean, I'm. I'm trying not to sound insulting, but there's no way to not be insulting when I say that. But I'm, it just, I'm enjoying it. I'm not seeing it that way, I guess. But oh, I um, I got over it really quick. But I was just like, it it didn't quite seem punchy like a noir book, but it also. I, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say I I think. I think what it might be is that this is a guy who I mean who usually writes screenplays, right? I, it may be that he's not used to writing like prose. So, and maybe that's the diff that maybe that's what's coming off is that he's it's, it's not his normal writing style. So I don't know if high school would be the description, but maybe it's just somebody who doesn't really know how to, uh, who, who just isn't used to using that form of, of communication, you know? So, yeah, that, that's true. But I, it, I got over it really quick and it, it's, it goes by really quick, like, like the, the process of reading it, even though only like a quarter of the way through. Yeah. Um, it, it, it kind of like goes by really easily. Uh, it is enjoyable. Um, I was what I'm liking is that he seems to be stretching out some of the scenes where there's like more dialogue between a couple of characters than there was in the movie, you know? And, uh, and I, I think it just kind of like filling in the gaps on some stuff, you know? So yeah, that there was a trailer. They released a book trailer for this, and it was oh, all. I haven't seen that. It, it's all scenes from the movie that were cut. Like it's all deleted scenes from the movie. Oh and, wow! To, to kind of show you what you're getting in the novel, and it's like two minutes long. Uh, oh. Was it Margot Robbie said there's like a 20 hour version of this movie somewhere? <laughs> like he oh, really, probably he had a ton of stuff. 
And I, this is one like, he doesn't really, he talks a lot about going back and doing like the Kill Bill. Uh, and I know they've, they've aired the, you know, what is it? The, the complete bloody affair or whatever. They've done that theatrically. The whole bloody, affair. Yeah, the whole bloody yeah. affair. But he doesn't know, he doesn't seem like a, a filmmaker who wants to go back and tinker with anything. Uh, but I would love. I kind of don't want him to, but I think Kill Bill actually. There's some, there's some area there to like maybe expand it a little bit. Well, he did go back to Hateful Eight. The version on Netflix is is longer than the theatrical version or the the. Yeah, right. I, I haven't and watched the expanded one yet. I haven't either. But um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I, I could do with a few more hours of that. I found that oh, just yeah. a, like such a. I mean, it, by design, of course, it's his hangout movie, and it's people hanging out in his fantasy of Hollywood and right it it was such just in like a pleasurable experience like just looking at the screen the fashions the honestly uh, he could turn it into a series you know it would just yeah and I'd be there for every minute of it I just really loved that movie hey speaking of that did you ever see the uh from dusk till dawn tv series I, um did i wa i watched you know i think i watched like the first two or three episodes and then i kind of gave up on it i didn't I really give up on it i just didn't get back to it i i started to watch it i did enjoy what i saw i just kind of that's why i said i didn't give up on it I, it's just i just kind of moved on to other stuff and so i never unless a series i mean honestly I watch a lot of series. I'll watch like the first couple episodes on my own. And if I feel it's something that Jen might want to watch, then I'll get, and then I'll end up seeing the whole thing if she wants to watch it, you know? So I, there's movies, I things I try out and I always go, oh yeah, I'll get back to that one. And then I just didn't. Um, that, that's kind of the same with me. I did finish the first season. I think there's three total, maybe, maybe more. I can't remember. Um, the, the first season was interesting because it was like what you just said, where, it felt like it was Robert Rodriguez taking every 10 minutes of the Dusk Till Dawn movie and stretching it out to an hour. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what it felt like, yeah. And then, but then by the end, like maybe about the midpoint, the, like the way in the midpoint of the season or in the midpoint of the movie, everything changes, like it, the, what style of movie you're watching, kind right. of that happens in the series not not in like a big spoilery way or a gear shift way just it starts to at a certain point take a hard left turn away from what happens in the movie uh with in in regards to like the mythology and and the vampires and all that um i i kind of feel that movie hasn't aged well i haven't watched it in a while i, I really keep wanting to go back to it but yeah, I, I watched it i watched it like a year ago or something like that and i've watched it you know, every couple years, you know, over the years since it came out. And, but I just, something, I mean, I was so into it when it came out and then, and I watch it now and it just kind of doesn't, it kind of doesn't quite hang together the same way for me. And I, I feel like there's like gaps in it where it's like, really, it could be expanded a little bit where it, you know, the vampire attack takes place a little too soon for my taste. I mean, I know it's supposed to be surprising in the film, but it's like, I, I just feel like there was like room with these characters to do more. And I, it, and I, and I, even when I was really into the movie at the point where they go into the hallways and tunnels behind the, the bar in, 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 in the titty twister, 
that's kind of where I check out on the film. I've never been happy with the the, the whole vampire thing after that. It's oh, like really? the big the big thing. Yeah, it's like it starts to lose me. It starts to get a little too crazy, and then um, where it becomes like there's a point up to, there's a point where I can believe it. Even vampire stuff, I can believe it, and then it starts getting bonkers with the weird mutations and all that stuff. And it's like. Okay, come on. You know, yeah. somebody's somebody's turned somebody into a, a bass guitar and it's like boom boom, you know, and I'm like, okay. It, it starts getting so crazy that I just kind of check out on it, you know. <laughs> yeah, I I guess so. I, I haven't seen it probably I haven't seen it in about a decade. But like you, I, I saw it theatrically. I was so into that movie, like it was just it was so much fun. Uh I kind and of it still it, is, it still is, but it's it's there's just something about it that I, it has kind of lost me. And every yeah, once in a while, a movie that I really liked at one point, and that happens, you know, there's movies, you grow up and you go, eh, you know, I wanted a little bit more from this. And, other, and there's other movies where you didn't get when you were a kid and now you watch it and you go, oh yeah, I totally missed that, you know? So, and I think this is just one where I've kind of maybe lost it a little bit and maybe I'm just not as big into Rodriguez anymore. So um, it's like, a, you know, I still think it's cool a lot of the stuff he does, but I also really hate some of the stuff. He does. <laughs> you know, it's, well, a lot I, of his kids stuff just lays like lands flat with me. You know, I I really like Robert Rodriguez, even if I have not really liked any of his movies since uh, since Grindhouse. I think the stuff that he's done that I liked has been his work for hire, um, where his original work has not been as faculty? what's that like the faculty i like the faculty oh i like it too but that's like that's an example of his work for hire you know oh oh yeah like like i'm, I'm talking about um i liked battle angel alitas like it's not a battle angel i Alita. did like alita battle angel i really i actually really liked that um but I thought the Machete films were where I really wanted to love those movies. And I like them, but I just feel like they just kind of missed the mark on both of them, you know? Yeah, I I um, I did not like either of them. And I think what I came to decide was that uh, his, his, uh, his style was always very cartoony and yeah. exaggerated. And at a certain point, like at I think around Planet Planet Terror, which does not hold up for me as well as, and as I will it. agree with you on that one too because I just rewatched all of Grindhouse. Uh, yeah. I didn't watch the movies. I didn't watch the movies as separate movies. I watched the Grindhouse version. Um, but even there, like when I when I first saw Grindhouse, I was like, well, Planet Terror was pretty cool. And then I really loved you know the uh, Death Proof. Like really loved Death Proof. And, uh, and I was just like, ah, oh, man, Planet Terror just kind of this wasn't quite. I mean, the Rose McGowan stuff is really cool. Um, impossible, but very cool. You know, that whole but that whole movie is crazy. And it's like, but watching it again, I still said, well, this is a really, really fun movie. Um, but I don't I still don't like it nearly as much as I like Death Proof. No, I, I agree. But I. I like. Planet Terror is, is, I think, what I consider the tipping point, even though, I mean, you could you could make an argument, the Spy Kids movies or Shark Boy and Lava Girl, which I never saw, but terrible. I, I like the first two Spy Kids films. I think at that time, he's still like, and it, there's something oh, cute about him making, those. 
I, I about making these movies for his kids or with his kids in a way. Right. Uh, yeah, and but, I especially like the second one. But the second one was just great. Yeah, I, I in the third one, like I don't give a crap about that. If, if it's not for me, that's fine. I just didn't care for it. Um, but uh, I'm looking at his IMDb. I like Once Upon a Time in Mexico, uh, uh, Sin City. But I think Planet Terror is the tipping point where he starts to to kind of parody what he's doing. Like he 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 presented things like Desperado and El Mariachi. It very exaggerated and cartoony, but he also had he was taking it seriously. It seemed. And once you get to Planet Terror, he stops not taking it seriously. And he's like, yeah, it's a, this is a joke. It's funny because it's kind of cheesy. And he never, yeah. he, he didn't really uh, get out of that. I mean, he got stuck in it with Machete, the Machete films. But um, I did like Alita Battle, Battle Angel. Uh, I liked it, was, it quite a lot. Yeah. I, 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 was, I was actually disappointed that, I, I thought Jen might really like it, but she didn't go to it with me. And uh and uh, I still haven't shown. I own it. I have it on Blu-ray, but I I haven't shown it to her yet. But but I like the Sin the Sin City uh, uh, follow up was just kind of a kind of a failure in my book. You know, like I I and I suppose you can give some of the blame to Frank Miller, who really should not be behind the camera. But well, um, I mean, yeah, <laughs> Frank Miller probably should just not not uh, I don't know. I I don't want to be like cancel him and he shouldn't be allowed to do a lot of things but i'm just like he 20 years ago his brain broke and he has not been the same since no yeah i i would agree with that i mean i just yeah the thing is i love so much of what he's created or at least i like the idea of a lot of the stuff that he's created but yeah he's just been such a he's an asshole <laughs> so yeah i i don't i actually went and looked it up i have not seen uh the second sin city huh. really huh it's got some parts that are are cool but it just really does not work overall and not nearly as smooth as the first film was because i really love i re I love the original and uh yeah you know i'm looking at stuff here i haven't seen the fourth spy kids movie and probably because i saw the third spy kids movie so yeah and he has that new show <laughs> on uh I didn't even know that I one, I haven't heard of Red Eleven, so I don't even know what that is. And uh, I guess it's one of his kid movies. And then I haven't seen it. I didn't even know that he co-directed Ugly Dolls. Yeah, I didn't know that either until I looked it up, honestly. Uh, uh, I haven't seen that We Can Be Heroes. I, I heard good things, but it, from people who have kids that just want, you know, something they can watch with them. Uh, does not look like it's it's for me yeah. at all. Oh, it's a sequel to Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Well, okay. Yeah, but it, it, I think it ties in the Spy Kids universe too. I think it's like his big. He, he's yeah. he's working on kind of a, like like Netflix is doing those shared universe movies now with with like Zack Snyder and I think uh, the the person who did the Fear Street trilogy has an idea for kind of like for a lot more movies that spin off from that. So Netflix seems to be getting these these creators and saying like we want you to create a franchise that we can we can spin off from let's, let's jump over to fear street okay because i mean i you've watched all three of them correct correct yeah well yeah, I, I was watching. not yeah um i okay so 
I've not read the Fear Street books. I've not read any of those. I knew they existed. I, you know, when I, when I was working for the book company, I, I did, did read a, a few Goosebumps because I had like, you can read them and you can read them in like 15 minutes. And, you know, there's like, um, and I had like, you know, I would have a break and I'd grab a Goosebumps book and I'd read through it. But, uh, and they're silly and the Goosebumps movies reflected them, you know, they were, they were fun, but, but silly. Uh, I had not read the Fear Street books and apparently they're not anything like the movies as far as overall tone. I was surprised because the name R.L. Stein was on them, at least as an, as a, as being adapted from him. I was surprised at how freaking adult these movies were for something that's supposed to be, you know, teen fiction. Yeah, I was really surprised because I, I, I had this conception that Netflix was getting a little bit skittish when it came to really making things R-rated. Like even Army of the Dead, it's R-rated, but it, it it's kind of it's kind of bloodless for such a big zombie movie, and all of the blood that they they eventually have is kind of like off-colored and it's not blood, blood. Um, right. Yeah. And then it was, uh, it was a little toothless. Yeah. I, I was talking about this in the the Devils episode, or maybe it got deleted for the bonus episode. It, that uh, Sweet Tooth, which is it, it, they are kind of targeting that for kids as well. But that that's a series based on a, a, a mature audience's comic book. And in the second episode of that series, multiple people are killed with bear traps to the face, and there's no blood. They, like it's a bloodless <laughs> series. And so when I, I saw Fear Street, I'm like, oh, I hear this is supposed to be kind of like a, a slasher throwback. It's supposed to be fun. I expected it to be fun in a like kind of a PG-13 way. And yeah, that, yeah. that series gets really gruesome and really yeah. fast. Yeah. There's no there's no nudity, but there is a lot of sex and sex talk, which surprised yeah. me as well. And there's a lot of language and uh, and just a, a shit ton of gore. So. Yeah, it's not. It, it's it's in some at some some points it plays like an R-rated version of Stranger Things because it has that look in in some scenes where they're definitely trying to replicate the look of Stranger Things, especially in the mall scenes. Yeah, I think uh, it's the same mall actually. It might is it? I I actually don't know that for sure. I'll look it up while you're talking, but it it looked like it to me. Wow. Yeah. It, it, it you know you talk you but yeah I, 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 the way that all malls look the same though. So who knows? But. But yeah, it's possible. I don't know. Maybe they all filmed in Vancouver. I don't know. So, but yeah, I I uh, I was just I was well. One, I liked that it was so adult. I'm not complaining about it. I'm. It's actually it's actually something I appreciated about it. Was that okay? Yeah, this is like based on young adult fiction, but they went for it. And they made it for you know they made it for adults really. And um, I really thought the three stories hung together very well and kind of completed themselves. And I was actually surprised at how, how full circle it, it, it ends up being and in, in cohesive as a, as a trilogy. Um, I just really enjoyed it. I mean, it was, you know, some stuff is hokey, but um, you know, cause you, I mean, you see a lot of these movies and they have a lot of the same trappings and this is of a piece with everything else in the culture today um, involving like, the supernatural and slashers and stuff, but at the same time, some great gags in it. And so I really, I thought some very interesting character. So I greatly enjoyed it. I, I thought, I thought, 
I thought so too. I liked all of the major characters, which sometimes those those types can get annoying. Um, you know, just it, it can get annoying watching you know teens in movies as written by adults. Um, yes, and and a lot of times you're kind of supposed to not like slasher characters, which isn't how slashers started. Like you think about the Friday the Thirteenth movies, and those first few Friday the Thirteenth movies, a lot of the fun is seeing the characters all genuinely be friends with each other as they're working at the camp, <laughs> like when the camp counselors are showing up. Uh, yeah. And, you know, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, all those people, those kids like each other. And it wasn't until later that you're kind of like getting the unlikable people and we're just there to watch them get knocked off. And, this and I really, I really hate that. It's like, I, I go at every, because you see it in film after film after film, you know, apart from the ones that you mentioned. But you see it in film after film after film where it's just like, why are these people even hanging out together? They these people don't know each other in real life, right? I mean, it's and they're and they're always like so. I was like, when I go camping, I go camping with my friends, and my friends are my friends, and we all get along. And sure, we have we have disputes and bicker and stuff. All friends do, but in a lot of these films, the people who are are just so openly antagonistic against each other, you cannot believe they would even go to the mall with each other let alone go for a two-week camping trip yeah yeah so i enjoyed the fact that you're you're supposed to like the characters in fear street obviously there's assholes or villainous characters you're not supposed to like but um that the the core group you were you were genuinely supposed to like them and i did i thought they were all fun i was sad when anybody died um yeah it was a, it was a surprising show and it, it was just like very zippy and very fun I say show. They're three movies, but they they were kind of released as if it was a series. And apparently, there's a lot more stories. There's like 150 more stories in the Fear Street books and various wow. things that R.L. Stein wrote. Um, so they could definitely like. I guess the director Lee Janiak uh, has said that she could definitely. She has ideas for making this an entire like shared universe. Because so. because I haven't read any of those books i wonder how much this actually came from his book that's that's so that's on me to to discover is like okay find out which books that they adapted and you know and 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 read them to see just how much of this was actually in there because that's I, what i'm yeah i i'm not i don't know too much about rl stein i know goosebumps was such a huge hit i, I was 14 when the goosebumps series started and at that point i was reading stephen king and uh, as, as was I, but I also, you know, would be on my break and I'm in a warehouse full of books and I'd be oh, on my I break. Oh, I get it. Like, yeah. And like, you know, 20 feet from me is, and we have this giant bookshelf that's just full of like 47 different, you know, goosebump, you know, editions. And it's like, so I would just grab one and read it on my break, you know? And so, yeah, I mean, I was, I was totally into King and Barker. I was more into Barker and still always have been, but uh um, but yeah, yeah, I, you know, so I, I, I know him, but I don't remember the, I, I know the, I actually, I do remember seeing some of the Fear Street books, but we actually didn't carry them regularly in the, in the, I know we put them out in the stores, but we didn't carry them in the warehouse as restockable. So, um, I never actually, actually read any of them. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I would have kind of done the same thing if they were around or if there had been one that showed up in my house, like, you know, you would just read or I would at the time, like, I don't have a book. I will just go and grab something that's on a bookshelf that I don't know anything about. Um, 
but I'm just saying at the time, I, I kind of viewed them as a little bit like a little bit immature and I wasn't going out of my way to read them. Uh, and I know they're like people a little bit younger than me, just like a couple years, like a year or two younger than me. They're, they're very monumental, but uh, I just never read any in my, so I, I, what I know of R.L. Stein, this series really did surprise me and I, I loved it. I thought it was all really great and fun. Um, I'm not sure if I necessarily want to see this become a, a shared universe. I like the idea of it being like this story is done, but I, I there are, I'm not against it. There are ways you could do it. That would be good. Um, but uh, did you, did you see honeymoon? Holy crap. There are 106. I just counted them. There are 163 <laughs> fear street books. <laughs> well, all right, then <laughs> there are like nine or 10 different series. I don't think he wrote all of them, but. Um, you know, I'm going to guess he probably, I can't imagine he would have written all of these, but maybe he did. I don't know. I haven't, I've never heard if he was like a Carolyn Keene, you know, or, or uh, uh, how the Hardy boys and the Dancy Drews were all written by, you know, committee, but they had like, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a, uh, my daughter would read a lot of books that were all written by one person, but in actuality, like every book was somebody else. They were just, yeah, uh, like there was what a is style. It? Yeah. The Tom Swift books were written that way. The Trixie Beldens, the you know all the um, so many series you know from the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s you know that carried carried on into the 70s and 80s. But all those yeah, all those were. I mean, when you're a kid, you think, oh yeah, you know. Was um, Frank uh, Franklin yeah Franklin W. Dixon I think was the Hardy Boys writer. But it wasn't, you know, and, and Carolyn Keene was the Nancy Drew writer. And it's like, no, they didn't exist. They were, they were fronts or something like that, you know, so. Uh, I'm, I'm looking to see. Did you ever see Honeymoon? Uh, it's by the director, writer of the Fear Street series. No. Um, it. I think I looked it up, though. I, I think I looked it up while I was watching it. I really liked it. I found it really creepy. Um, I was going to say something, but I won't. I'll let you just watch it on your own. But uh, I just looked it up to see. I was like, I was like, did Arl Stein write all of these? And unless, and, and, unless he's keeping it like a really closely guarded secret, it looks like he wrote all of them. Not uh, well. I will say, I mean, judging from the goosebumps, it really, it's really simplistic writing. So yeah. <laughs> well, wait, but that's, that's a, a that's a that's a lot of books. Yeah, but now I just looked it up and it said like said he only wrote seventeen, but if you said there's hundred and sixty three or whatever. According to the list that's on 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 Wikipedia, they they list all the different series. But I'm I'm not so I haven't dug into it to see if. I, I'm just going by the information that's here. Yeah. Ah. Oh, um, created and written. But I don't know. I'd have to dig into it more. Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, like, ah, here we go. It's like, go, so I, uh, here it says Ghost of Fear Street, that series, which is like 30, 36 books. It says... Um, despite being published under his name, the books were in fact ghost written. But I, you know, I have to check the verification on that. Okay. Yeah. According to the copyright page, Emily James wrote book one. Stephen Ruse wrote book two. So, 
yeah so without actually looking at the books and or looking into the you know yeah who knows <laughs> um yeah but i would i would suggest going back uh going back and looking at um honeymoon that was i didn't I didn't realize until after we I'd watched the Fear Streets that it was the same person who had done that. That was a good one. Good, I'll and, check it out. Oh, going back, the mall is not the same one as the one in Stranger Things, but it's apparently just down the street from it. <laughs> like okay. it, they they were all um, both this Fear Street and Stranger Things were uh, were filmed in Georgia, and so there are other locations that are shared, but not the mall. Very I guess you're right. It just has that look, and you know the. When they make it, they make up them all to look older. They made it all day glow and, you know, just you neon. Know. It's yeah. certainly not what malls look like anymore. <laughs> no. Yeah. I, I'm always astounded by how drab malls are when I walk into them. It's like, not yeah, that well, I, I, I also don't consider a lot of them malls. Like a mall to me isn't a mall unless it has like a music store, a movie store and a bookstore. Slash well, then store. there are no malls anymore because yeah, none, there's no mall that has any, all three of those things. No, there isn't, and mostly it's just all clothing, like a different clothing store and a food yeah. court. And I am there's still at least one. I mean, usually, well, I don't know because the the cheaper one where I was getting my vaccinations, that one did have a music store, it did have a bookstore, and it did have a movie store. Oh but wow! The bookstore, the bookstore was a used bookstore. That basically just took every book it had and just threw it into a giant bin in the middle of the floor, you know. And they had shelves too and stuff, but it was all it was all used books and they had used DVDs and stuff. But they actually did have a, a, they they had a uh, what is it Fi or whatever it is. They had one of those stores in there, and then they oh, actually FYE. had a comic shop also. They had a comic shop too. I was yeah. surprised. The whole place was really low rent, and the like. I think I told you about the comic shop. I went in there and it was like. Three, it was like a giant comic shop, but three quarters of the space was uh, Funko Pop figures. Yeah, I, I, I do know there were a lot the of- The entire front half of it. And then they had tons of comics, but hardly anything was marked. And so, and they would have like a thing that said sale bin and you'd go through it and half the comics didn't have prices on them. And it was a very terribly kept place, but I probably could have gotten some good deals if I'd looked around through the comics there. But I decided to not spend any money, so yeah, I, I, um, I cannot support that local comic shop. Oh, I, I I've been to a lot of malls. There are usually comic shops in them, or just a GameStop, if nothing else, because I mean, a lot of the comic shops are are basically just merchandise stores. Like they don't really carry that much. They might carry the newest of the newest issues of the biggest comics, but that's um, what this one did. Yeah, they had the newest issues. They had some back issues, but it was so scattershot and just poorly marked that why would i ever buy anything there i couldn't find anything yeah I, like, and I and i know if i had a comic shop because that's just the way i do things i would like overly mark everything <laughs> you know it's like i would have every you know i would have them you know dividers for every three issues you know so yeah i will say that i um i do realize now how much uh how good we had it in some ways with Bosco's, even though I have serious problems. Alaska, where we lived. Yeah. Yeah. Even though I have very big problems with them, stemming stemming a lot from the fact that I worked there for a while and it was just miserable. But uh, I, I have problems with the people who run that shop and a lot of the people that work there. But 
damn if it didn't ruin me for the types of comic shops I'm finding down here, <laughs> which are are tinier because I mean, space is at more of a premium, of course, but they just don't have the the selection. They don't have the setup like back issues just don't seem to be as big of a thing in comic yeah. shops back here or down here. Yeah, I suppose it didn't matter which which of the locations you were at. They always had a decent amount of back issues. Um, and, and honestly, I mean, I know both of us, I mean, we probably know too many people who have worked there. My brother has worked there too. Um, one of my brothers has worked at Bosco's for a good while. He also worked in the, in the store and he also worked in their warehouse. And, um, but we probably know too many people who worked there. And, and as you said, you worked there for a while too. Um, so yeah, there's some personal stuff going on, but I got to say, honestly, as a customer, sometimes when I go in there and there were like people who didn't know who I was on the, the rare occasion, um, they were always helpful. Yeah. You know, and the place is marked so well, it was always easy to find what you were looking for. Yeah, I, I guess maybe and I've just... been to other shops where I just I walk in now and I just get lost. It's just like, uh, where's the back issues? Where's the new stuff? And then, like this one that I went to over in Montclair uh, 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 a, a, a couple weeks ago, where I actually bought the first comics I bought in like what 12 years or whatever. I think I mentioned that to you. Um, because I just don't buy them regularly anymore. But and, and I actually bought graphic novels. I bought like collections. But but it was it's a beautiful little store. It's tiny. It's basically the size of my office, my home office, like two of these rooms, you know. So it's not very big store, but it's very gorgeous and well done and nice cabinets and all this stuff. And the the like you walk in and it's a bunch of toys, and then the rest of the store is comics, but they have hardly any back issues. It's all new stuff and graphic novels because that's what's selling these days, you know? And I was just like, I would love to live near there where I could frequent it like every couple of days and just go in and, you know, talk to the comics guys, you know, and they were playing Blue Oyster Cult while I walked in. So I was happy with that too. But, uh, but, but yeah, I would, I would frequent it, but I would, my big gripe to them would be like, Hey, you gotta get more back issues in this place because that's what I go to comic ships for. Yeah. Yeah, but then I, I, you know, because I'm looking for the older stuff that I'm missing in my collection. But yeah, I do the same thing. Um, and of course, Bosco's and their setup vastly superior to the only other game in town, literally, uh, A1 down in the Fifth Avenue Mall, which was like a black hole. <laughs> like they, you just could not get to anything because it was. No, just I don't think I ever bought anything at A1. I did when I, I worked in that mall. That's the, I, I managed that Suncoast and that's the, it was in the same right. mall. So I would down, go down there at least once a week and they were only three doors down. Uh, that's a band name, right? Anyway, uh, but it, it's, it was just a nightmare because they would have a ton of back issues and everything is bagged and boarded, but they, were, they would also pile all of their stock on there, all of their, like they sold a ton of toys and it was just on the boxes of back issues. That's where they stored it. So you'd always have to move right. stuff. And the the owner really treated the place like his collection. So if you were moving stuff or looking around, he would get really angry and like, what are you doing? <laughs> and like, like the- Maybe make his, your store more usable. His, his wife worked there and some other woman and they could be really rude too. And I eventually stopped going to them as well because they were just like, it, it, were, it was, were they the ones who were in the Northway Mall for a while? Yes, yes, that's. And they moved to the they moved to downtown. 
Uh, I think I had stopped going there by then, if that's the case. Um, I, when, I, when I was frequenting them, it was at the Fifth Avenue Mall, and I stopped going there while they were still the Fifth Avenue Mall. I, maybe I was just in a bad mood at the time, but I basically swore off both Anchorage comic shops. And for years, all of my comics were ordered from this place in Minnesota, I think, or hmm. I can't remember where it's at. Uh, until basically like just because I wasn't working as much down here in California and we're in a tinier apartment, I couldn't justify buying like a box of comics every two weeks. So um, I had to stop with them. Oh, it's in Durham, North Carolina, uh, Atomic Empire. And they they bag free bags and boards on everything. You, they give you ex, like uh, expanding discounts based on how many books you had a subscription to. So if you had like a subscription to five books or more a month, you got an extra 5% off and then like oh, 10 wow. books or more, you got more. So it was like, I, I, I was getting my books bagged and boarded and cheaper than when I worked at Bosco's, like with my employee discount. And they charge bags and boards at Bosco's. So I, I, while I was still the last few years, I was in Alaska and the first couple of years I was down here. That's where I got all of my comic books. You know, I, so I, I went to uh, Avengers Campus at uh, California Adventure a couple weeks ago. And uh, I, you know, we had some time to go shopping and they had opened up a giant so, I mean, they have the regular stores that are, you know, the usual stores at Disney, right? But in the in the area, in the Hollywood area, so around the corner from where Avengers Campus is, in the Hollywood area, back where Monsters, Inc. ride is, mm-hmm. there's a, they have a building back there called Stage 17. And they use it for all sorts of things. They set up the Frozen. Uh, a few years ago, they had a, um, in, uh, when Frozen was just huge, they opened up an area inside where kids could go sledding. Oh yeah, I I remember. Um, Did I take you to that? Well, when we had because our first year down here, we had annual passes, and Pandora loved it because she was missing snow, <laughs> and we would go in there right. every time. Yeah, so right now it's a giant Marvel store. This giant, it's a, like a huge warehouse building basically, and so it's like you know it's like you know fifty feet to the ceiling and all this stuff, and uh, maybe even more. And it's just this giant cavernous Marvel store, really well done. Very, you know, it's just really cool looking and dark. And and you go in there, and they just have a ton of Marvel stuff. They have like a, they have a full size, uh, full scale Iron Man uh, armor, full suit. Yeah, it's a statue, but it's the it, and it's like seventeen thousand five hundred dollars or something like that. And so it's not just like, you know, toys. I mean, it is toys and it's t-shirts. And then it's like really, really high scale stuff. Like they had like, they had these like Japanese import Marvel action figures, like a Doctor Strange figure. That was like 95 bucks. And I was like, and it was tiny. And I was just like, there's no way I'm spending 95 bucks on this. But it was a really nice figure. Oh yeah, people do buy those. Those are so popular. Oh yeah, they're crazy. And I was just like, but but they also had Legos, you know. And then I I bought a I bought a um, a, a T-shirt uh, of the Vision. Of it, the shirt looks like the Vision. Oh not, yeah. Not his face, his his costume. So it's got the like the diamond, the big yellow diamond in the middle, and it's all green. And uh, and I was like, 
and I and I look terrible in it. You know, it's just like, <laughs> there's a reason why nobody sells these. You know, but I was like, I've got to have a Vision T-shirt. <laughs> you know, it's not my color, but I'm like, I'm getting a Vision T-shirt because you know, Vision, uh, as not a lot of people know, but a couple of my friends do. Vision is my favorite Avenger and has been since I was like a kid. So I love the Vision. So uh, I was like, I'm getting a Vision T-shirt. And that's all there is to it. And Jen just kind of like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, we got a discount on it and stuff because of Jen. But uh, but yeah. But anyway, the, my point of bringing this up was um, I actually bought comics there. They have some. They don't have very many. You think that on a, on a whole thing that's based on the Marvel comics that they would have more comics. But going to Disney is not a place to go buy comics. No. So I'm happy with anything. They have some graphic novels and stuff, and but they usually have um, a little rack and not like an old comic book rack spinny rack it's like a it's like you know uh fiberglass thing set up blah 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 and it's got like some slots and they usually have about nine or ten maybe 12 issues current stuff or relatively current stuff and so i saw oh there's like a there was like a cool uh collection it was like a in comic form not in graphic novel form but uh of uh, uh black widow's greatest adventures through the through the so there's like a 1941 adventure and a story from the 60s and then one from the 70s and then one from the 90s and the current one so it's like it's like a, a thick comic you know it's like you know five bucks or whatever and then i found a couple of fantastic four ones and it's like well i haven't bought a fantastic four comic in like 15 20 years so it's like i want to see what the fantastic four are doing now so because i'm also a huge fantastic four fan so um uh yay me since we'll be getting some in the future but uh i really i was just like i gotta go back i'm gonna buy some comics while i'm here because i'm here visiting a comic book land i'm gonna get some comics and so yeah so twice twice in the last couple of months i've bought comics and yeah i, I, just... I there's a, a few i want to get back into but i'm just gonna i think i'm just gonna be getting graphic novels which kind of like triggers my OCD or maybe maybe OCD isn't the right word where I hate having a series partially in issues and partially in graphic novels yeah the same way I I was reading stuff that's still ongoing and it's just like it's going to be too hard for me to track down all those missing issues now and I'm right going to have to get the back or the graphic novels like um saga uh, I was reading and like 30 some issues into it and now I'm like well do I I want to go so what's that and i don't even know what that is so oh brian k vaughn uh sure did why the last man sure and it, it, it's a very I haven't read any of that. oh it, i know what i know what why the last man is but i haven't read any of it i love why the last man i'm not sure how the the series will be but... i'd say who the last man what's that oh okay i'd say who the last man I know it's a capital. Can you say one, what the last man? I said who, or where who the last who, man? Who the last man? You the last man. Oh, okay. Uh, it, it saga is a like kind of epic sci-fi yeah. fantasy uh, of two people from like warring civilizations uh, that kind of does like, it take place in Iceland? No, it takes place out in space. <laughs> and it's not uh, really a soccer. Oh, okay. But it's it's 
it's very fun. It's very adult at times. Uh, I like Brian K. Vaughn a lot. Uh, I uh, I really like his, I like his Runaways. The I haven't watched all of the series, but his work on the Runaways was fantastic. And that series just never really recovered after he left. Um, Why the Last Man is great. Uh, he did the one Ex Machina where it's a, a superhero basically wins public office. He, he becomes mayor and it's, it's very political, like where he, he's, he's, he can't, he's legally not allowed to w operate as a superhero anymore because he'd be breaking the law as a vigilante. So he has to kind of like, well, deal with stuff basically most more as a politician than as a, as a crime fighting super powered individual. Cool. Um, yeah, I just I, I think uh, he kind of like was really hitting his stride just as I was getting out of comics. So yeah. I think the, the, the when I left Alaska, I stopped. Well, because they're just I mean, honestly, where I was in Anaheim and where I am now in, in, in the Riverside area, um, there's just not comic book shops near me. So I just and I since I don't drive, I don't I don't get to places, you know, unless I unless I'm with the wife and, you know. Yeah, that's that's why I switched to getting a mail order. Plus, it's like every two weeks or a month, whatever I had my plan on at the time, uh, I would just get a super like, I would get a box full of comics. It was like a Christmas every every couple yeah. months or a couple. And, of and also, you know, also for me, for like twenty years, I worked at a place where I got free comics constantly. So. Oh yeah, they're, and they're expensive these days. Yeah, and that's just it. When I when I started uh, when I when I left and I did look at some comics, I was like man, they're all like three, $4 a shot, you know? And if you go in like 30 bucks and I, and mind you, I, I, in my head, I still go, okay. I'm, I still remember being, you know, 12 and, you know, $5 in your pocket meant you could come home with like 20 comic books. <laughs> so I, I remember when they started going over $2, I think by the time I started reading comics, they were, they were a buck 50. Yeah. Um, and then I, I remember I like when they were 25 cents. Yeah. And then I, then what was it? Uh, you're like a decade image, younger than me, So yeah. Like image or, comics when they were all a dollar 95. And then once they started getting over $2 an issue, it was like, it's like, damn. But, uh, yeah, I, that, that was a big thing. Like when the, when, and, and this is like 1982, 83, when like the, uh, first comics and pacific comics were like the you know it's when marvel and dc suddenly had these like competitors on a low level but they had these you know these like creator owned you know companies or not even creator owned but these like independent comic companies where like mike grell and and uh jack kirby were like moving and like you know creating and, like like where the rocketeer was uh, i think pacific comics is where Ro the rocketeer came from but all that stuff was coming out like 82, 83, 84. And as soon as they came out, that's when the comic prices went poof. Because <laughs> they were going, Marvel and DC said, oh, wait a minute. These guys are selling comics for like a buck 25 instead of 50 cents, 60 cents. You know, so it was like comic prices just started shooting up. And then that's when the independent, you know, comic stores became more of a thing. Because it used to be you just went to the, you went to the quick stop and you bought everything on the rack. And then all of a sudden, all these like special editions were coming out in comic stores. And I was just like, Marvel Fantasy. I remember that was a big deal when that came out. And it was like, oh, it's Marvel's first, you know, comic store only title. And, you know, I, I can't remember what the phrase was they used to, um, 
to, to say that you could only get it there. I can't remember what the phrase was, but uh, but yeah, I, mean, I remember all that. So it was a big deal. And it's like, buck 50 for a comic? Are you kidding me? <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, I'm but, trying to. Yeah. It's amazing how, you know, I mean, I, okay, so I'm like an old guy complaining about the way things used to be. And I don't usually, usually operate that way because I'm not necessarily nostalgic for the times when things were like that because I, I like new stuff and I like old stuff. But it is amazing to me because the world has like gradually gotten used to the inflation that has us at the level we are now. And you go back, oh yeah, well, $1976 versus $2,020. And it, this was worth, you know, that then was is worth this much now. And the whole world has acted that way. It's like, oh, just inflation gradually changes and you get used to it as you go along. But then some of us have just never really gotten used to it. <laughs> it's just in our heads we go, I still want to buy 20 comics for five bucks, you know, so. Yeah, it's I, just, I, I think that's yeah. a lot of people. A lot of people are but like I'm, that. But, yeah, but I'm not a I'm not like a fucking crybaby Sean Hannity, you know. He's like, oh, things are so much better when I was a child, and I wish things were, you know. And uh, uh, I'm not that way at all, you know, because you know, childhood, my childhood was not necessarily all that great. But there was stuff in it I liked, and I did like buying 12, 20 comics for five months. So. <laughs> Baseball I, cards are even worse. Uh, like I couldn't, as much as I couldn't justify buying new comics, I justify buying new comic uh, uh baseball cards even less yeah you know when, when i worked like at three bucks and you get like 12 cards and it's just like are you kidding me That's... it's sometimes it's worse than that when i worked at bosco's i hated working in the sports card area because people would come by and they would just drop down hundreds of dollars like it was yeah. nothing and get like yeah. a couple of packs. Like there were there were packs that were over $10 each and you would get it like six cards. Yeah. But they're like, they're really high quality cards. But these people would come in and like, I don't know anything about sports. And these people do, even if it is kind of just for a collector's like stats reason, like they're not, maybe not the biggest sports fans, but there's something about their cards that they're, they're, they're into. And, and it was just such a culture that made me really uncomfortable to be selling like hundreds or thousands of dollars of merchandise, just like, like somebody would come in and they put down like a hundred bucks and keep opening packs until they got one that they wanted. And that's how many things that they bought. And it was like, it was just the amounts yeah. of money made me really nervous. <laughs> yeah. I, I bowed out of, uh, once I, once we started carrying baseball cards at that, the, the book, the book warehouse job that I, I was at for so long, uh, once I, I ended up being in charge I ended up being the buyer uh, for the, for, well, both video and for uh, 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 baseball cards. And because uh, we used to, we used to sell them wholesale to all the comic book shops in town and, and sports shops. And, um, and I hated working with those people so much that it made me quit collecting cards, like cold, like, and if you look at my collection, it's like you get up to about 1992 and I've been 91, 92. I was really good about buying the, the new sets every year and pretty good. You know, I float in and out of it, you know, and I've been collecting them since 1974 and uh, uh, 75. And um, and I was pretty good for about, you know, just under 20 years. I That's the bulk of my collection. And then about 95, my collection is just cards that I got as freebies and like, comic mag comic you know or card collecting magazines and things like that which i would still continue to get for free that's the bulk of my collection from 95 to now is just you know 
freebies that I, I got. And I, and I only buy baseball cards when I go to angels games. So I'll, I'll go and buy a pack of cards. And yeah, that, I, that's it. Yeah. I, I, I the last time I went to an angels game, I bought three packs. So, and each of those packs was like four bucks. I was just like, I, that just like, you know, and, and to me, that immediately just kills it. And you look at the cards, and it's like, yeah, they're good quality. And I only buy tops. I only buy tops because tops were the cards in my youth, you know. So, um, so that's the only ones I'm interested. I'm not interested in buying, you know, you know, score select special preview this or that, you know. Whereas, like, you know, as you said, you know, you know, ten bucks for a for six cards, you know, I don't I don't buy that stuff. So, I I was not a big sports kid there was a period where i really tried to get into baseball and it was because for a while in the summers we would go to bait the baseball games up in alaska and um and i i liked the experience of being there in the stands and being at the game oh man so i i tried to kind of like get a little bit more into and i was in a little league which was kind of a miserable experience for me but um I, I just couldn't do it, but I really was into baseball cards for a while. I think, I think in, in my memory, it's like a while, but I think as a kid, like if I were to look back at the years I was buying, it was maybe like a year, year and a half, but yeah. there was a comic book shop up on the corner of Jewel Lake and not Diamond. I can't remember the street that is right, be, the main street that, right before you get to Diamond. Um, but, uh, there, there was a comic shop, or not comic, a card shop there for just a little while. And I, I used to, you know, be out wandering on my own as a kid. And I wandered in one day and the people that owned it, it's a husband and wife, they were really nice. And I looked around and it looked like cool. And I would just go up there every time I got a couple of bucks and buy a pack or two. And I got really into baseball cards. And then after a while, I got really into the, the movie cards, like the, the, we've talked about it before. I can never remember the name of the series, the one that's all the horror stuff from the 80s, like Pumpkinhead and Alien. Um, yeah. Fright something. And the Mars Attacks and the Dinosaurs Attack cards, I, I used to have full collections of those. Uh, I got really into like that kind of novelty card stuff. And then I don't know if I just stopped having money, stopped having time, or they closed. I, I don't remember when they closed, but pretty quickly like that that phase was over for a while but um yeah i was really into them and i had a, a ton of cards and i used to get I actually bought a price guide and was like looking through to find out what any of them were worth and they were like i don't think any of them was worth anything but i had them in a big box i've told the story before my aunt had a friend when she was just out of high school that was living up us for a little while and like maybe a couple of weeks and she was living in what was my room and I moved into maybe my, my brother's room. And when she left, she took my box of cards with her and I never got it back. I asked my aunt and she said she was going to talk to her, but I never got that box of cards back. And that was all of them. Was everything. Cards, man. And I can't imagine this like 19 year old, 20 year old girl woman is, you know, my aunt's friend, just knowing my aunt and her friends had any interest in those cards at all. It must've been a mistake. But it's like, why couldn't I ever get them back? Why didn't they ever like, she opened this box and it's like, I don't need any of this crap and just threw it away, I guess. Or she had a boyfriend or something and she gave them to him or something. Yeah, so. yeah maybe. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to just assume it was an innocent mistake. But Yeah, probably. 
somewhere your aunt will listen to this and go, <laughs> oh, no, no, that aunt doesn't talk to me anymore. <laughs> yeah, but she might she might accidentally stumble upon the podcast and she'll go, oh, oh. yeah, I remember stealing those. I remember stealing those cards. I made mint off of them, man. Yeah. I, uh, how would, how would one accidentally stumble across this podcast? I wonder. <laughs> it's just not like going, I'm, oh, that was interesting. I mean, look, you know, I got on the podcast thing last night because I want, you know, and I ran into that, that sleepy, it's like the sleepy time podcast or something like that. And I looked at it and I go, oh, that sounds kind of interesting, but it wasn't. But I didn't listen to it. I just read the description and go, oh, they read Alice in Wonderland and then you're supposed to go to sleep. You know, they, they, they read they read books in like hour chunks, but they make it very relaxing so that you, you know, kind of bleh, to sleep. And I'm like, if I'm listening to Alice in Wonderland, I'm going to stay awake. You know, it's like you I, can't read I don't it. get that. I I used to listen to music all the time when I was sleeping. I'd always have uh, like the oldies radio station. And I mean oldies, like uh, pre-rock and roll oldies radio station in Alaska on while I was sleeping. And then uh, Amber can't sleep when there's noise, when there's music on. So that, I, that got me out of that habit. And I can't do it anymore myself. Like I've tried, she, they work nights. And so I've tried putting music on like when it's me alone and it, it keeps me up now but i've never been able to do it when it's people talking i just i listen i i get too into like keep my brain working listening to what they're saying yeah so I I, I I do and i don't it really depends on how tired i am but sometimes i get so wound up before bed that it's i have a hard time getting to sleep and sometimes i don't you know but um i, I will say last night this is current news uh so they as Aaron well knows, uh, they there's a ton of construction going on across the street from us uh, in this new uh, subdivision development that's uh, like across the road from us. And uh, they have been telling us they're going to turn off our power like several times in the past month. And they didn't each time they haven't. And as they finally said, okay, we're going to turn it off at two in the morning and have it off till 10 a.m. And end up being coming back on at 1 30 in the afternoon. So everybody's going to be pissed about that. But that's beside the point. The point is, is that uh, my wife cannot sleep without the television on. Like she cannot sleep without some sort of ambient noise going on. And the power was out at two, two in the morning and the TV shut off. And because uh, usually when I go to bed, she'll just have Brooklyn Nine-Nine or, you know, some series that, you know, she loves or that we both love. And she'll, you know, Dick Van Dyke show we've been listening to a lot lately as, as we go to bed. Um, um, and so, yeah, I... I get woken up at two in the morning and Jen is like wide awake on her phone, uh, on her Kindle uh, reading and uh, because she cannot sleep because it's just too quiet. It's completely dark and there's no television on and the cat's freaking out because she's used to the sound. So if the light, if the sound's off, it's like, no, I can't, I can't handle this. So the cat's freaking out. Jen's freaking out. She's just, and, and I was, I've been snoozing just fine and all that stuff. And, and we, and, and like so she had the hardest time getting back to sleep she finally did she said she said she said as the light started to come up that's when she was able to fall asleep so uh, when it was no longer in the middle of the night she was able to finally like see see stuff she needs to see stuff as she's falling asleep uh she can't have it be completely dark oh, and uh yeah she has like the circadian rhythm things is nothing for her you know hers is all messed up and i can i can sleep with stuff on it just has to be at a level where it's not the sound's not keeping me awake so I usually turn it down as I get to bed, just a little bit. Um, but 
but yeah, I me, it's like I had no problems. I slept so well last night, and I woke up at six thirty, going, "That was a very good sleep." And like Jen's just like, ah! <laughs> you know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I um, yeah, getting to sleep for me is usually not. A, I mean, I I did have some sleep apnea problems the last few years uh, until I lost a bunch of weight, and now I don't have that anymore. So, uh, it, but it used to be, yeah, you know, like I, I put my head down, I would just go out, you know, so <laughs> I didn't even need to put my head down. I was falling asleep standing up. So, uh, uh, but once that went away, it's just like, I've been like, had bonkers energy again. But yeah, I, I, um, I certainly used to fall asleep with the TV on all the time. I mean, summers when I didn't have school, I would just stay up until the you know national anthem was playing and they were off the air yeah. until 5 30 or 6 in the morning all uh, the old days of the national anthem i wonder any stations still do that yeah and i then i'd switch over sometimes pbs might be on for a little bit longer and then you'd hear uh Paco bell's cannon and that would be the end of that uh taco bell's that, cannon that's they shoot tacos out of it i know what you're talking about yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it so, sounded like you said Taco Bell's cannon. Oh yeah, yeah. That, I'm just saying, like that. I always associate the national anthem and Taco Bell's cannon, but the national anthem <laughs> is probably the strangest one of this. With that melancholy of being a kid and TV is going off the air, and it's just night and there's you know it, everything's quiet. And eventually, I grew to kind of like that sort of thing, but it's just still like there's that a little bit of sadness whenever I hear the national anthem. <laughs> A little sadness for me because I think it's a terrible song. So well, that that too. But uh, yeah, I used to go to just fall asleep with the TV on because like for Christmas one year when I was eleven or twelve, I got a uh, maybe thirteen. I got a TV, a little tiny TV, like it's so tiny. Um, but I I got it had it in my room, and it's the first time I had a TV in my room, and I would just have that on at night. And I would wake up sometimes in the middle of the night and Fox would be playing some weird ass movie and I'd catch a few minutes of it, half asleep and then go back to sleep. Uh, nowadays, though, I can't keep a TV in the room. I, I'm like years ago, we stopped keeping a TV in the room. and It's it was great. Like. I, I just I don't like that idea that anymore, like laying in bed watching TV, even though I kind of I mean, it'd be comfortable. I just a TV in the bedroom seems kind of stressful to me now. I don't know. There's a lot of times lately where, you know, be, as I said, because I get to bed kind of wired and stuff. Um, what I will do is I'll, Jen will have on like some show going on and she's falling asleep and I'll walk into the bedroom because I usually stay up later than she does. At least I stay physically up later than she does. I mean, sometimes I go in there and she's still reading, you know, when I go to bed. But what I do is I, I have a, I, I prop my iPad against the nightstand, put in the headphones and I'll put on like riff tracks or mystery science theater and I'll drift off to sleep with that, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. And, I can see that. Like I, I, yeah. I kind of do that with certain things. And I don't, and I don't necessarily even watch it. I'll, I'll just, you know, put it on and listen to them. And then I'll usually be doing, I usually, I'm usually when I'm falling asleep, I'll do New York times crossword puzzles. And so, cause that's what I do all the time. So. Well, I have, recently over the during quarantine i made an effort to try and not sleep with my phone in the room now i have to because i have to be getting up really early for work and it's right. my it's my alarm but i used to try and go and put my phone on the charger in the kitchen or the living room somewhere 
not next to the bed. And it, it made me start reading again more instead of just like scrolling on the phone or playing a little game until uh, until I get tired enough, um, which I, I mean, was a huge mood improver for me. Uh, what noise do you use for your alarm on your phone? Um, the first one is just the, the kind of like echoing thing. And then, cause I, my first, my last job before I did this union thing, I slept through my alarm on the first day and I was two hours late and they didn't seem to care, but I was like so mortified by it that I have an alarm every five minutes now from like when I need to wake up until basically the minute that it, like I need to be out the door and leave uh, or right. even beyond that. Um, so the next one I think is then a, a song. It's, um, oh shit, it's Genesis, not Genesis, the band. Uh, sorry. I'm trying to, I can't remember the name of the song and I don't know why, because it's one of my favorite albums of this year. Uh, it's, it, but it's Genesis Owusu, who's this Ghanaian, Ghanaian, Australian singer, rapper. Oh, the other black dog. Uh, it's that, and that like gets me going. So if I miss the first one, that one will usually like really wake me up. And then it goes back to just re sounds and tones. Is this interesting? Does anybody care? <laughs> no, nah, I think we're just, we're just having a good time. But uh, yeah, the, the, the one I use uh, on my phone drives my wife crazy. And I didn't mean it that way. I just thought it was cute, but it's the, it's the ducky sound. <laughs> and... the, the ducky sound? The... It goes, Wah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, a couple of times, because I don't, I, I, I would say ninety-eight percent of the time, ninety-nine percent of the time of in in my life, I don't use alarms usually. I, I usually wake up when I'm supposed to wake up, and and uh, very rarely do I need an alarm. But every once in a while, we'll be planning something where it's like, hey, whatever, we need to be up at six o'clock. All right, you know. And so, but invariably, it's me. I usually get up way before she does and uh, um because i'm like a super early riser but i always set an alarm just in case you know when it's something important and i put that duck thing and it wakes her up every single time it's like <laughs> she gets so mad when that thing goes off i because she, lo she loves ducks but she doesn't love these ducks you know? yeah so i uh like, <laughs> when when amber is home I don't turn an alarm on because she works nights. She'll she'll be awake when I need to get up and she can get me up. Um, but what was I going to say? Oh, I definitely need an alarm. I really, really need an alarm because I have to get up at, well, four in the morning was when I had to get up all this last week for the job because I have to be there at six. Next right. week, Next week, I'm going to be working down by you, which is a much larger, longer drive. So I'm going to be getting up at three in the morning. And uh, I, I can't, like, I would not wake up on my own with that. <laughs> my internal clock is not that that good. Now, my internal alarm is certainly not that strong. Um, so we went far afield of, of films here. 
I, I actually, yeah, I, I actually wanted I mean, to. I've been having a good time, but yeah, we have we have gone far afield. Of, hey, uh, what we... well, I gave the warning at the beginning. This is just going to be all yeah. over the place. I think sure. I think we might wrap it up soon because this is just a lot of rambling. I think we've been going for over an hour now. I didn't start a timer. Oh, yeah. I should have done that. Um, I did want to say though, circling I'm back. What? Uh, I'm giving you the alarm. Oh, so. Well, let me get this in then, really quick. Uh, circling back to comics, this is just how long this has been sitting in my head for a minute. We were talking about how much comics used to cost, and it started me thinking about Bosco's would have their sidewalk sale where you just get like a couple of comics for a quarter. Eventually, it's more expensive now, but they, they still would like for a dollar, you can get a bunch of comics, a stack of comics. And that's like when I was starting to read comics, that's pretty much I would just go buy whatever had a cool cover that was less than a quarter. And uh, I was trying to remember the name of a comic book that I really liked because it had a hero that looked a lot like RoboCop. It was from the 80s. And I, it was from some comic company that doesn't exist anymore and i was just sitting here during our entire conversation like what was that comic book what was the name of it what was that company and it was comico comics i just found it while we were having our last discussion uh it was next man uh, who, who wrote next man but comico but the guy looks exactly like he's got the same helmet as robocop three years before that movie huh. uh who wrote that i'm looking this up but i just remember like I, you know, you, you like you get that quarter bin and you, you can't really control what you're going to find, but I would go through and I would get yeah, never, as, yeah. as much of them as I could. Um, what the weird, I'm looking at the wiki for it. Publisher, Comico, creator, none. <laughs> like it was a, a spontaneously generated comic book, apparently. Yeah, none of the covers have writers on them that I can see. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that and I, I got like DC's Night Force. Oh, I have all. Yeah, I love Night Force. I have uh, the twelve issue run, or maybe ten or twelve 14, issue run. Fourteen issues. For okay, I have the the full run. Right now, it's it's kind of scattered. My my collection's a little scattered, and I, I need to go back and find it. But I. Yeah, I really like those. Yeah, that's Gene Colan. Yeah, man, that's that's a. There's there's actually like three series, but the yeah the original, I think was fourteen issues. Yeah, yeah I remember. Then there were two more series after that, and uh, I don't have the second and third series because they came out when I was kind of you know one one came out in 2012, so I was way out of comics. So I, so I should probably check that out, but. Uh, um, but yeah, I have the original, I still have all the original comics and I just loved it. I was, I was so into Gene Colan because of tomb, tomb of Dracula. And then, you know, he did like, he did, you know, like daredevil and things like that too. Um, so I, he was actually one of my favorite artists. He's got a really sketchy style, but it's got some just incredible lines in it and stuff. And, uh, um, um, I, I just really, really love his style. Yeah. I, I really remember that, that, um, that like tentacly octopus. Cthulhu style monster that's like living in in this apartment building and it's kind of like right. hypnotizing everybody in it. I thought that was like a really awesome little mini storyline in this comic. Yeah, it's a uh, good series. 
Yeah, I I now want to man, there's like I think this yeah, happens was, a lot yeah, with it was our Mark and Gene Colin. So yeah, both of them worked on Tomb of Dracula. Yeah, I gotta I, I gotta pull my collection out. It's all in uh, my daughter Pandora has a walk-in closet that is actually just a closet right now because my comic books are in there. So she she can't like one entire side of it is just taken up with long boxes. Long um, boxes. I yeah. have I have no long boxes. You only you have short boxes? I have like I have like like 80 short boxes. <laughs> so I, yeah, because long boxes, big bow in the middle. You can't, I mean, you can't stack them as well. And, I know, uh, I know. I damage things. Yeah, no, I, I, I use all short boxes. The and long boxes are, are starting. To, I've been slowly starting to get like the, um, the hard plastic ones that you assemble. Oh, really? I've been, I've been, yeah, I've got a couple of those, and I was just like, well, because yeah, because I got like old Avengers comics from the sixties and seventies yeah. and stuff, and I want something a little sturdier in a cardboard box, you know, so. I've been I've been like I've been meaning to like upgrade the entire thing, but of course that takes money, and I haven't had money until recently. So, uh, it's you know just we're, the thing. We're having so much comic talk in this episode. I feel like I should call Jared up. Uh, he hasn't <laughs> been on the show. No, <laughs> no, Jared Jordan. He used to work at Bosco's. He worked there uh, before there and after me, and now he works for. Uh, he works for a different company going to conventions, uh, Metallic Dice Games. Wow. They they kind of have yeah, a- Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's been on your show, yeah. Yeah, a couple of times. Um, he hasn't been on in a while, and it's not because I don't want to talk to him. It's because the episode that we are planning next requires a lot of preparation. Um, I, I mean, I think we, we mentioned it, so I'm not like spoiling anything in here, but we're going to be talking about Stephen King's It, and we're going to be talking about the miniseries, the uh, new movies, and uh, of course the books. Like the books aren't going to be the focus, but we both wanted to reread it. So I just finished my fifth reading of it, and I don't know how many times he's read it, but he's he's finishing it now. And then we're gonna we're gonna talk about the movies hopefully by October. That's very cool. He's a he's a comic guy. We should have him. I should do that one of these with him. Maybe you too, but. He 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 knows his stuff with comics. Like he is, not saying you don't. You do too. But he's just like lives and breathes comics. Marvel specifically. Yeah, my my only problem with Marvel, like so, like going going to Avengers Campus was incredible. And man, I wish I was five years old because I would just lose my shit. You know, Spider Man swinging and hanging from a tower, and then there's like a there's a building that's supposed to the house the avengers and you there's a quinjet that's on top of it and it like fires up and stuff but i mean it doesn't take off or anything like that but they've got to make noises up there and stuff and then you look up there and there's like captain marvel standing up there she's like she comes and goes and then and then you see black widow she comes out by the quinjet and then she repels down the side of the building or down the front of the building and then the next thing you know she and Black Panther are fighting um, um, Taskmaster from the new Black Widow movie, and uh, and then a, and a bunch of other villains, a bunch of other like toadies and stuff. And it's just like, and they and they stage this big fight scene, you know, up on on the deck of this thing, you know, in front of the audience and all that stuff. And it goes on like several times a day. And it's just like I just lost my my mind was just going crazy, you know. It's just like, 
oh man, you know, my, my Avengers love as a kid is just like, it took 40 years, but it's like still, it's here bigger than ever. You know, it's just, it's so cool. And, uh, and we didn't get to see the Doctor Strange show because apparently they do a little Sorcerer Supreme thing. And then uh, we did do the Spider-Man ride, which was stunning and just, I can't wait for you to ride that thing eventually. <laughs> so, eventually, like who knows like when we're, we're going to get out there. Dude, um, you get to sling webs. You get to like, you throw your arms out, right? You're in this car and it's a 3D screen. So you're wearing glasses and stuff. And there's like three to four people in the car. You know, we, we had three, but I mean, there's spot, spots for four. And it's like four on one side of the car, four on the other side. It's kind of like Toy uh, Midway Mania okay. in, in that regard. It's kind of like that, except you're going through this, you're going through this, this, you're winding your way through this thing and you go screen to screen to screen. And, uh, and each, and what happens is the spider bots are going crazy and they're replicating themselves, right? Faster than you can stop them. And so basically you just go to the screen that's just loaded with spider bots and you're Spider-Man basically. And you're throwing your arms out and you could do like the little web sling sign if you want to, but all you have to do is throw your arms. All you have to do is do this. Just well, I'm making a motion that you can't see, <laughs> but, but, but all you do is this, you're throwing your arms at the screen basically over and over as fast as you can. And each time you do, you see this web fling out, fling out, fling out, and it destroys things, but it can also grab things and you pull them towards you and you get bonus points for blowing things up. It's like so freaking cool. And then, oh man, we were just like, and like our car, I had the lowest score of everybody. <laughs> like Jen's mom beat me by like, 5,000 points, you know, and, uh, and we were just like, and because we only had three people in our car, we didn't have the as high a car score as other, if we had a fourth person, we would have matched other, the, the people on the other side of our car. Oh, yeah. They had four people. So it, it roughly each earned around 200,000 points, but Jen earned the most because she always does. She's just better at these things than I am because um, I'm not a video game guy, but this was just so cool. Next time I know it's just to throw my arms like nuts, you know, but our arms were sore for like two days after we did that thing. It's oh, a great man. workout. It's a great workout because you're just throwing your arms crazy at a screen for like, you know, 10 minutes. And then you get off and you're just going, your arms are jello. You're just like, ah. It's like the most, the biggest workout my arms have had in like ages. So, I mean, you got it from the new job, but yeah, I, yeah, had, to go, no. I had to go, I had to go be, pretend to be Spider-Man to do it. So, but like a really fun ride and uh and i cannot wait to do it again but we had to we had to like uh reserve our spot in a virtual queue and we did it like six or seven in the morning i think it was six in the morning that jen reserved it and then we didn't get on the ride till like 1 30 so it was a long wait to get on that thing you know yeah but uh um, because that's just the way it is, you know, it, you know, but I like, I like it better than having, and we still had to stand in line. We still had to like, at a certain time, go to the ride when our point in the virtual queue had been reached, then our group went in and it was still a big, long winding line of several hundred people, but it moved quickly. We were on the ride within like 20 minutes of us getting in line. So, so it's better than standing there for six hours waiting to get on it. So yeah. this whole virtual queue thing is fantastic. Um, have you, you probably have seen a lot more about it than I have, but Amber was showing me that video of the um, the animatronic for Spider-Man as Spider-Man swings. That the the Spider-Man that's in the air doing the swing and the jump is an animatronic, not suspended, 
it's just designed so it hits the pose and makes and you know nails the landing every time and that what? blew my mind because it's totally looks like a real dude up there unless they switch it out maybe at some point they they so the way that the one that i saw it's an animal well we didn't get we didn't get to watch the show we were watching it from the side and we were a distance away because we were getting in line for uh we were getting in line for uh for lunch and and but we could see the spider-man show going off at the front of the area you know and we were seeing it from the side and what we saw up there was a dude who was talking to the audience and he sat and he like totally like sat down and swung and hung his legs off the side and then he stood back up again it was totally a real guy doing that part yeah well so, what i think but, she, but then all of a sudden we looked again and there's there's like a there's a spider-man swinging from stuff and i'm just like so if they must have switched it out and they must have done an incredible animatronic then yeah uh, i'll find the video and i'll send it to you and i'll post it too but i think what amber showed me was for a meet and greet and it, it, like spider-man swings in and behind something and then like down the wall and the person that comes out from behind where Spider-Man oh, okay. lands is a real person. But that, that cool. Spider-Man that swings and does the jump off of the web, like, you know, he does a swing where he lets go and like flips in the air and comes down. That's all that's in animatronic. Holy cats. Yeah. It's, Thanks for shattering the illusion for me. <laughs> uh, I think it makes it even better. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think that's incredible. Yeah, they got like that technology. It's like, man, they're going to... Well, they're already taking over the world, but that's beside the point. Okay, I'm I'm gonna I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, there it is. Imagineering Stuntronics Spider-Man demo. Holy cow! Okay, um, I think we we should probably wrap up here soon. Um, I think I think we're like I could talk to you more. I think we're reaching a limit for what people might want to listen to. Uh, for, oh, I'll be surprised if they even got through the first 20 minutes. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I kind of just wanted to have something out there to to keep. Absolutely. No. Keep uh, well, I mean, of, honestly, uh, this was, I think, mainly um, just mainly a lot of fun. So because I always I always enjoy talking to you. Yeah, so, yeah. I enjoy uh, I enjoy talking to you. And honestly, like, I mean, in the world of podcasts, oh, we talk every day, basically via text. So it's like yeah. we're always, you know, that's the way and, we are. But, and I'm I'm being like like oh this is boring to one of people people want to listen to what my alarm is but I uh, <laughs> I I mean people people kind of like that with podcasts like I, podcasts are kind of loose I I don't need to be uh, completely high strung about it so I think it'll be fine but I, I just wanted something out there I wanted to keep some like regularity with the show uh, I did I didn't want to be gone for too long sure absolutely but um. Thank you for doing this. I know you're really busy with work. Do you have anything you want to send people towards at the moment? Nah, no, nah, I'm used to, you know, the, if they want to check out the uh, Cinema 4 cell block, that's cool. Um, you know, I, again, I haven't updated any of my sites in like forever. So uh, um, not, not since at least October. So, uh, but yeah, eventually I will. But yeah, I just, I, I was not expecting to have work and then I've got work for the last couple of months and it's nice and uh and we'll see how much longer it lasts. But you know, um, um, yeah. So uh, I, I mean, now that I have a nice, shiny, fast new computer, um, uh, I'll probably be doing a lot more stuff online because it's much easier to do now. Yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah. It, this might actually inspire me to really start doing some stuff. So. Oh, right on. Yeah. So, uh, 
Yeah. Oh, you get to hear an alarm coming through. Here comes a fire truck. No, hey, that wasn't. Too oh, loud. that's not your phone alarm. Okay. No, no, no. It wasn't too loud. These new windows are great. Like our our landlord put in new windows recently, and uh, really, really dampens the sound from outside. Otherwise, you'd just be hearing traffic the entire time we're recording. Oh, um, sure. So uh, that'll kind of do it for us. As for where to find me in the show, uh, on all the socials, well, Instagram and Twitter, at TwoHeadedPod. There's a Facebook page um, that I keep saying I'll get back to. I'm not sure if I will, but follow that. I do still sometimes post uh, stuff. And um, we mentioned it earlier in the show, so I'm going to mention it again. We have a... Uh, we have a partnership with Metallic Dice Games. Uh, you go over there for any of your dice and gaming, or mainly dice-related materials. Uh, they have really cool custom designs and cases and stuff like that. Uh, you go there, enter the code two heads, T W O H E A D S at checkout, and gets you an extra ten percent off. Um, kicks a little bit back to me as well, uh, but you know. Uh, that's just a little bonus, but uh, Amber has some designs. She designed some enamel pins that you can find there that are pretty cool and fun. I think they still have some in stock because they haven't really been doing conventions for the past couple of years, which is where they would normally be selling them. So I think they're, they're all the stock. They're kind of just putting it online every once in a while. But anyway, yeah, metallicdicegames.com. Go ahead and check them out. And that'll do it for us. Uh, thank you for sticking with us. Uh, hopefully, you enjoyed this uh, rambling discussion because I, I think we might be doing a little bit more of those in the future, but next week we should be back with regularly scheduled programming and back to Summer of Darkness. Or no, Summer in the Shadows. Summer of Darkness is TCM. Okay, and that's it. It's time to go. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll be seeing everybody later. <laughs>